0: Welcome to the penultimate pod in Paris. This is the official Rugby World Cup pod, brought to you by Asahi Superdry, the official beer of the Rugby World Cup. And on the show today, three men who know what it's like to lift the Webb Ellis Cup. That's ex Springbok captain John Smith, the top scorer of all time, Dan Carter, and Austin Healy's best friend, <laughs> Ben Kay. Gents, welcome. Welcome to Paris. I'm just about That's see us by the way. Oh, is it? Yeah, you can't call Do I me that. I need to start again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's good to see you. Anyone who's been on this pod from the start has not predicted anything right during this World Cup. Be honest, did you see a New Zealand South Africa final, John Smith? I did call it a few months ago. Did you? Though? But I was.
1: It's biased because I had to be brave on on our side of the draw and go with South Africa, and it seemed pretty obvious on the other side for me
0: well congratulations you're the first person to get it right but, uh, but before we get there before we get there, there, now, um, we get
1: there though, I quite laughed your in, intro I mean I've never had top point, point scorer after my name and then you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest I thought
0: Dan was sitting there <laughs> okay, <laughs> he
1: was okay. sat in the wrong spot so I might have sense. got
0: it Dan did you predict this I would love to
2: say that I predicted it honesty finally John see yes, that honest exactly. man next to you I, I mean, see a couple of powerhouses of world rugby but before the world cup you know the consistency of a violent France and then obviously after the, the opening game and you know the, the way the, the mm-hmm. French played against the All Blacks you know I, I knew that you know I've been lucky enough to work a little bit with the All Blacks this year and had seen the growth and the, the work and how much it means to them I, I knew that they were going to improve from that opening game but yeah for some reason I just was uh was convinced it's that pretty the island of they, France made uh, the World Cup open didn't it like I, I always knew that this was going to be the most hotly contested you know, Rugby World Cup of all time. And and unfortunately, I've, I've been on the end of a you know, couple of World Cup uh, playoff losses uh, going into the tournament as favourites. And I, I knew just because, you know, like Ireland France were going in as favourites doesn't guarantee uh, success. And, and that's the the beauty of the game, the beauty of the competition is, you know, there are no guarantees. And um, But yeah, what, what a tournament it's been. I, been. I thought France would get there. Just I, I, did you? I was going to say, having, it could have been New Zealand, oh, England. So I mean,
3: commentated on uh, England-France uh, at the Stade de France just under two years ago. And um, the atmosphere, it was almost like a procession that day. England were just part of the script. The the French public so believed in their team. It's the first time I've seen the French public so connected to their team. Like we, we played in 07 in the semi-final and we were underdogs going in. But at 60 minutes, there was a bit of booing in the crowd and we knew we had them because the crowd had turned on their own team. And the the French had just been so behind, you know, Anton DuPont uh, as as that talismanic leader. So I was convinced they were gonna get there. New Zealand I thought might do because like I've done a, a couple of radio interviews in New Zealand during the World Cup and I've never had that from the New Zealand sort of fans and public before that they were like, Oh, this is the worst. All Blacks team has ever been, and 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 I'm like usually it's the opposite. You're having to keep their feet on the ground and say, yeah, you're good, but you know there's a chance you might. No, no, we're definitely going to win. Everyone was saying, no, this is awful, this is awful, and you could just see that as soon as the belief started to come back. That, you know, yeah, they were a good side. They were going to be very difficult to beat. So I, I did sort of think that New Zealand might get there, but I was convinced it's going to be the French. But as per usual, South Africa turned well, up yeah, and do it. Could have easily been in New
0: Zealand. England final in, in the end How Well, we yeah, they they uh, would have been probably great. not
3: sitting on that sofa because you know my, my pecking order but <laughs> yeah, the fun, you know, I might have see, got on you, the
0: final sofa if you listen to this not watching we've got the finalists yeah. on the sofa and Ben's kind of on a third seat <laughs> on his own third and fourth Different balcony. In playoff <laughs> <over there. laughs> but it could have so easily been you know with what Look, 15 minutes to go unbelievable
3: form. I did say before the game the last thing England want to be is two points down with less than 10 minutes to go really? because holding on to that was always going to be a challenge. Oh. I, I sort of felt if England had been 2 points down themselves rather than South Africa chasing, I think England might have got over the line, but the scrum and and the bomb squad coming on just changed everything. England was so good in terms of where they've been pre-World Cup, what they needed to do against South Africa, they played it tactically perfect, but they just couldn't cope at the end and I I, I still haven't seen an angle where I'm convinced that, ro- that last Here scrum call go. was right. No, no. I just, Let
0: it go, But then.
3: the work was done by the previous scrums because it was so obvious yeah. how, how on top South Africa were. If there was going to be a 50-50 call, the referee's always going to go,
1: well, I think that South Africa are on top. Bit of a jailbreaker.
2: Mm.
1: Sort of two weeks in a row, Victor and I walked, the French game. we walked down after, with well, 20 minutes ago, and we were like, it's, it's, we're done. And so we walked down and... And haven't yeah, scored the try, and we we're like, okay, this week we started the game. We're like, whatever we do, we're going to walk down at 20 minutes. When we walked down at 20 minutes, the game was gone 15 6. Yeah. And we were in a far deeper hole than we were the week before. And yeah, that was, that was, England played it perfectly. I mean, the conditions, the kicking game, everything. And then it just. You, you've got yeah. to admire Razzie
3: as well, because, and even uh, because to so early commit to the fact that you've got the tactics wrong or it's not working, and go, if we don't do something now, we're not going to win this game.
1: Yeah, and also, he was—he he should have gone 6-2, and he should have started with Pollard, but he didn't, yeah. and he quickly realised that, that things were that, going hairy. That was brutal. Yeah, it is brutal. And that's the cruel thing about sport. Leboq gets subbed at 30. He, he, he's he's going to take some recovery. And I saw Jacques talking about the fact that They've done it before. They did. They did it with Bongi in yeah. 2019, and you know he was just off, and they 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 just scratched him early. Um, but it does hurt. It hurts a player's mental mental side. Well, we're we're saying it with the benefit of hindsight. So
3: 25 minutes to go. They've used all their bench. Mm-hmm. So if they have a someone breaks their leg or has a serious injury, you're stuffed. So they've gone all in and and just backed themselves. And, and if they have got that wrong, we're, we've got the benefit of hindsight that they won the game. If England had gone on and one easily, everyone would have gone. Imagine using well, all these subs. It. What were yeah. they thinking? Yeah. But they have backed themselves, and they, they've come up with a World Cup final.
0: High-level sport as a fly-off. Dan, what did you make of that substitution after half hour? Has that ever happened to you?
2: I can't imagine that's ever <laughs> happened to you at any level in um, your life. Not to me, but I've seen. I've seen it happen. You know, in, in big games uh, when there is there is momentum, uh, completely one-sided, and you need to. To be brave and and, and make uh, big decisions and something that russie's talked about is is the strength uh, off the bench and substitutions that can come on and and make a real impact and and they needed something because you could see uh, how much the english uh, wanted it in that first half they were right up for that they they had all the momentum and and they needed uh, someone that would be calm and really clear and really decisive uh, in a big game with with world cup experience and and and, uh, i think that's why they had uh, Pollard on, on the bench. Uh, whether he's on the bench this week, uh, highly unlikely. But yeah, just to have that that depth and um, and that control. But you know, I, I agree. You know, it's, it's a pretty tough uh, one to take for for a little bit. But he's a fantastic player he has been good. In, in different he has been in different good. conditions. You know, if it's a dry conditions and the game's going to be but, but, a bit more why open. Not start
0: with Pollard. Then That's, as a as a fan,
2: I was thinking. Yeah, like, it's I, you know need to get rusty on on the podcast, sure. uh, but. You know, obviously he's uh, you know got his, his opinions, and, and knew if things weren't going well, then then he could he could make that, that substitution. It. So it'll be the, the interesting thing this week, that, you know, up against uh, an All black side that want to play with the ball more. The game, I think, will be a lot more open than uh, the, the game was last it's night. <laughs> and, yeah. just, just on <laughs> it, yeah, because a couple of months ago in Switzerland, um, South Africa turn over New Zealand.
0: Quite easily in in the end, Le box starts he doesn 't miss a goal he doesn 't miss a beat that day, so if it is decent weather in Paris <laughs> next weekend, do you start ten it 's going to be crucial for sorry.
2: yeah okay. uh, up until you know last night, I would have said uh, yeah. you know, a little bit, but I, th- I think the pressure the experience of, of Pollard on such a big occasion, you know the, the hurt that he and the learnings that he had from two thousand and fifteen and you know being on both sides of um, you know, Successful and unsuccessful World Cup campaigns you know, really is, is going to you know, play a, a key part in, in having that experience um, you know, out there right from from the get-go. Dan, I'll tell you, the ten's the most important
3: person on the field. Right? We, we, know it's, we know it's the forwards, right? <laughs> because everyone's been saying, oh, should England put Owen Farrell in, George Ford, Marcus Smith at 10? It doesn't matter if your forward pack don't give you the platform. And yeah. Le Boc is a, uh, that day in Twickenham, South Africa completely dominated up front a ten's always going to look better. Whereas yesterday yeah. they were struggling to get that physical dominance and LeBock stro- struggled early on, particularly with the weather. You probably want a ten to come on like mm. Pollard in, in that circumstance. So if South Africa get dominance, they want LeBock playing. So it's, it's and the other thing
1: that you can with absolute certainty know is that no one in the world can predict what Russ is going to do next. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been trying to figure it out for five years. He's just—he's always thinking in a different way. And I, and, I, and I can tell you right now that don't be surprised if you see Lebock starting because the yeah. weather's going to be or good. Or off because its we get, we're going to have to play. <laughs> so uh-huh. he, that's, we've been trying to figure it out for five years, but he's always
0: got some kind of plan and. The only thing you know for sure is that you have got no clue what he's going to do next. He's, he's fascinated, isn't he? Even before this yeah. game, he sits down, he's on Twitter, goes into it, got a few minutes to myself, so I thought I'd respond to a few people. <laughs> then goes sort of after that QE journalist, yeah. calling him or her, apparently it was a typo, we don't know. Does he do this <laughs> kind of <laughs> I stuff? I told you, you've got no certainty. Yeah, but I does he do... Th- what, what, is, is there a is there a yeah, strategy <laughs> behind this behaviour?
1: Look, I think one thing that I, that you do... Uh, know about Rusty is that everything he, he is he's, he's a smart guy you know I've, I've, I've I played with him and he's I've never met a guy that knows the game and understands the game and, and studies the game well I mean there's a great story about him when he was playing under Nick Mallett well, Those was back in the days when the coach's job was like okay, come together boys okay we're gonna do it you know go harder and there's there's no real sort of technical anal, analysing of the game and it was in the days of the, the VHS recorder and there was a company I think in the UK that had a a, 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 a a VHS machine with two videotapes and some analyzing machine, and Rassi bought it for himself while playing for the Springboks, and then started doing analysis and giving Nick feedback as the coach and saying, "Well, I've been through uh, the the tapes and the and that's how he started. As a player, he started analyzing the game for the first time, finding tech that could that could keep this sort of the detail and bring stats into it, and so." Everything and everything he does is for a reason. Mm. There's nothing that happens by accident.
0: So, that, so is it detail? Is it experience? Two thousand and three, you found a way to win that side. Eighteen months before the World Cup, South Africa, New Zealand, they find a way to win. So the impossible, and the impossible question is, how? How do you find? How, what is it? What is it that means? Ah. You know, that was the difference last night. Was the difference I France, think, South Africa, yeah. New Zealand, France. What what is it?
1: I think there's two levels to that question. There's the sort of the, the sort of Springbok mentality, which is passion and love for the game, and also there's a responsibility on on a Springbok team for what it does back home uh, that supersedes the game. And then there's this team and what they've become over the last five years. So, so and you go back for, for five and a half years when they started with with Russie as the coach, um, ranked seventh in the world, honestly. Tough times, you know, and the Springboks were not a, a popular team, and and they're the only team that sort of bring hope. And they resurrected this. And the plan was to try and win this World Cup in 2019. Then they obviously managed to win 2019. But this team has gone from being seventh in the world, no hope,ers to getting a coaching staff that have turned them into something substantial, grown together as a team, gone from being teammates to mates gone from having girlfriends to wives to kids and galvanizing as a group that literally puts them in this bubble that makes them even more resilient so they sort of look for moments like this they thrive on it you can just see the one, one thing that probably makes me the proudest of this team is that they've lost some tests but they've never lost a test without putting everything online there's always life and death effort and that's, I think, what differenti- differentiates them at the moment. It's just, it's just
0: never, ever over. Oh, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to play in the final. I <laughs> yes. I was going to cry I was going to no. run at you then, man. I was,
2: don't do that. <laughs> oh, you can see it, though. The South Africans are playing for something much bigger than themselves. And that can often you know, be the difference of getting themselves out of those situations. Uh, for me, it was always just self-belief you know, you're down by two tries, there's six minutes left on the clock. You know, as an All Black, we we believed that, that we could score those those two tries. You know, not once did you see, you know, the guys with their heads down or, a, you know, give up me- mentality. And, and a lot of that comes down to, to mindset, experience and, and mindset. So actually working with your psychologists uh, around being able to perform under pressure. So you're down on the scoreboard, uh, like the, the box were last night, and how to stay really sort of clear and decisive, uh, incredible decision-making in those last 10 minutes when you've got all this, the world uh, of mm-hmm. rugby watching you and being able to execute. So a lot of sort of mental strength comes uh, into, into that and that self-belief. You know, you, you look at the, 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 the French game, uh, the quarter-final, you know, the last 10 minutes. Uh, you know, you have Ramos sort of kicking the ball out of the touch, uh, uh, Matthew Joubert kicking the ball on the penalty backwards. Just simple skills uh, performed under pressure is uh, a lot around sort of not being in the, those moments before and, and not having that, uh, that experience, um, but also not being able to, you know, control your sort of mind, being able to perform and, and execute uh, simple tasks uh, under pressure, and, and that's, Exactly what happens, uh, you know, come uh, World Cup playoff time.
0: And then when when you become a senior player in that that group, is it your responsibility to pass that on? Like Pollard was amazing in watching him live. He was telling people what to do before he kicked to touch. Everyone was so clear. It seemed they were clear what they were doing. So that would be your responsibility then to give everyone else the feeling that this is okay, we can do this.
2: And and you've got to learn from... uh you know, from from experience and and also sort of working on that. So, you know, Pollard is a very different player to, to what he was in two thousand fifteen. You know, I remember our uh, final playing up against him. He's just young, young talent and and, you know, the the box were playing extremely well that day and in similar conditions to last night, but I always felt like we, we just had this sense of, of control. We were calm. We were clear. We wanted to be in those high pressure situations. And uh, the learnings that he would have got from a World Cup like that is you know, I think the big part of the reason that he's elevated his game. He wants to be in those high pressure situations. He's the guy that uh, the box you know looked to in, in that last ten minutes of a, of a playoff game. so that that experience goes a long way.'
3: Dan mentioned belief that that's what it is. And like, it's very difficult you know from an England perspective when the belief hasn't been there to suddenly turn it on, it's got to be unshakable because when everything's going well. That's fine, and we all remember you know, remember the great all black sides, great Springbok sides for for when it was going well, but actually what probably got them to the final is when they played and they weren't playing well you know you plan a World Cups a four year cycle, and the detail of planning that every coaching staff will have done, but actually it's probably one on the fact you know, what was the Mike Tyson quote everyone's got to plan till they get punched in the mouth and, <laughs> and it's how you react to that that''s that's, that's important and uh, certainly in '3 we had that unshakable belief I mean the final we didn't play well in the tournament really maybe the French game we, we were good in the semi-final but the World Cup final you know everyone remembers Johnny as the greatest ever kicker he probably missed the most kicks he'd, he'd ever done you know some idiot drops the ball over the line you, you've got no one take? ever reminds me of, no. to be honest um, <laughs> no, like, didn't matter anyway did it even so. French kids six yeah. years old you know oh you're the guy that dropped
1: the ball yeah 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 that's <laughs>
3: <laughs> but, you know, gave away loads of silly penalties. You know, the scrum that was a, was a strength of ours um, was penalised. But you have to find a way of getting it done. You can only do that if you completely believe. And, and last night, actually, the, the South Africans, they were in a dark, dark hole. And I think probably the South African mentality you were, you were alluding to makes them the ultimate knockout rugby team because even when they're in the worst possible shape, they'll find a way yeah, to get it done. 2007... Amazing. You know, Mark Cueto scores that try over and goes, oh, if if, Kuwait, if that had been given, you, you would have won the final. I still think South Africa had that belief that they might have found a way to come back and turn that over anyway. You know, you it's t-
1: just... You talk about the dark hole and, and Dan mentioned about pressure, but that's that's where you sort of you, you have to learn and get your experience. I mean, it's always... And we sort of love that. I love that about the game because... There's games and there's games. There's games that have got pressure and then when you go into that dark hole, it's being a dark room. It's the teams that figure out quickly how to get to the light switch. Yeah. And most teams, when they get into that dark room, they start slapping the wall all over the place. Sounds like a night
3: out with you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you've just got to go inch by inch. You've got to work yeah. work your way through it till you get, and you've got to cover every single inch. And that is where good teams you know, come in. And it, 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 To get into that space of being calm when it's dark and finding the light switch, you've got to have, tasted some bitter moments. We made a massive thing about every test match that that, that we lost because it, it bites. You don't like losing test matches. But we'd always talk about how it felt yeah. in, in processing that emotional feeling so we could bottle it and understand where we don't want to go in the future. Most mm. great teams have lost games as well on mm. the way. you know. You, and actually, the
3: majority of the coaches that have won a World Cup uh, have been there and, and seen what it's like not to win one and learnt from that. Mm. Like Martin Johnson always used to say, you know, the grand slams that we didn't win before winning the World Cup were like the scars that you remind you on the pitch of, mm. of what Makes you've been different. through and and what you need to do differently. Well, so
0: you, you mentioned that this South Africa group has been together what five and a half years, and that mm. uh, Razi Borthwick was saying it's been pretty much four months. So many young players in the squad, and um, one of my favourite quotes on on the on the pod was a couple of weeks ago. Andrew Mertens was on saying um, Steve Hansen said that. Playing a third and fourth place playoff is a bit like an open mouth kiss with your grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants it. It's a thing in like is it? <laughs> no, one, no one wants uh, that play. Uh, That's going to be brutal, isn't it? After the emotion, yeah. not as brutal as trying to get rid of that thought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but actually, and then Francois Francois Lo was saying it's been such an emotional couple of weeks for South Africa from a New Zealand point of view. Extra day. How much of a difference does that make in, in modern rugby? And after Argentina, seven tries didn't seem that much of a, a
2: challenge in the end. So where do you think your Blacks are this week? Yeah, I think that that extra day, you know, will help a if, just to be able to get away from the game. You know, when you've been together for over two months, um, the pressures of, of playing in uh, World Cup playoff games, the you know, the world looking at you, the fact that you've been in camp um, for a long period of time, they just need to get away from the game to, to really switch off. So that extra day, you know, what will, will really help them just uh, go spend some time with their families, come into Paris, uh, see the children, a lot of families over here for them at the moment before they, they um, you know, push the, the reset button. So it's a, it's a huge challenge for the All Blacks because, you know, we, we've talked about the great teams. They just know, know how to win. Um, but you know, in the last three years, the, the All Blacks haven't had that consistency that you know that we've known from them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've turned things around. They've, they've put in two good performances in a row, and now they're they're up against a, a brutal team. Uh, the they're South on France. the way up,
3: though. That that's the key. And, and when you've been in some dark places, actually, when it starts to go good again, it, it tends to snowball a bit quicker. Momentum. South Africa—they've had two tight games where you could potentially say they're holding on at the end, and and they were very much ahead of. New Zealand going into the tournament I think as, as potential yeah. favourites but they're sort of starting to just tip over the hill a little bit and, and the All Blacks are coming up so God, it's going to be fascinating oh. the, the thing about the All Blacks as well from a South Africa point of view is they could play South Africa could play the perfect 70-75 minutes but in those 5 minutes the All Blacks could Three or four or chances. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, that, that's what, exactly what happened um, against Ireland. You know, Ireland yeah. controlled the ball for long periods of time. Um, a couple of quick plays from the All Blacks, and, and you know, they can you know cause some damage by scoring uh, quick points. Uh, you know, the, the fact that the Springboks and All Blacks know each other so well, uh, you know, two dominant um, powerhouses of world rugby is really going to make it a, a huge uh, matchup. We know what what's coming, but how do you nullify that? You know, that they'll have uh, some strategies. Uh, <laughs> around that but it's it really does make for a an incredible you know world cup final I know the ones you know we're, we're often the all blacks going into you know tournaments as favorites one of the favorites and this is probably one of the the first times mm. that they haven't mm. and i think i've enjoyed that you know actually proving people wrong like you talked about the 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 conversations that have been happening in new zealand not many um kiwis thought that you know would be in a, in a final and with a you know a good chance of of uh, winning the World Cup uh, a few months ago, I know you, the All Blacks use that as, as inspiration to, to prove people wrong, but also uh, right. to make people proud. You know, we talk a lot about the the legacy of, of the All Blacks, the legacy of the the black jersey, and you know what a way to to enhance uh, the legacy than than go on to to win a fourth World Cup.
0: A uh, part of, uh, I suppose, the criticism maybe or the the, the negative thinking around the All Blacks uh, has has been aimed at Ian Foster quite a bit as well. I mean. He was apparently sat there eating his popcorn, watching <laughs> England South Africa last night. Didn't care who he gets in the final. A word on him, like he he had to stay
2: pretty strong. That and it seems like the team have, have yeah, played it's, for him. It's, it's been a challenging, you know, couple of years for uh, for In Foster and you know just the uncertainty of his job. Um, you know that the players really got him got him behind him. You know, just over twelve months ago, and and then obviously knowing that, you know, he's he's not continuing as the, the head coach after this World Cups you can go you can go one of two ways. You know, he can when going gets tough, you got that in your mind. Well, you know, I'm not here next year. How much do I really want it? Or you can go the other way and you can really galvanize the group. So it's not just in foster. There's a large part of that management that have been there for for twenty years. From what I've seen, they've galvanized. They've gone um, you know, a really sort of exciting right. This is it. This is a huge opportunity for us. Let's prove, um, you know, the the doubters uh, wrong. And you know, let's let's come together and and do something pretty special. And, and they're on the verge of doing that. But you know, in sport, there's there's no guarantees. You you were just talking there earlier about the the difference.
0: Maybe seventy five minutes. You know, one person, one thing can change a game. I suppose one of the players that's just come to my mind is Will Jordan. So eight World Cup tries joint. Should have been nine. Should have
3: been nine. If only. Oh, my God. Oh, Richard. So I think.
0: Tell them about the interview. Every time the All Blacks had
3: been in the red zone of the 22, they'd scored until the final play. And Rico Ioani, two on one. Sorry, not Rico uh, Ioani. Richie Moanga, two on one. Will Jordan outside him. He shows and goes himself. And ITV interviewed him afterwards and initially said, you know, what about Will Jordan? He said, great player, great player. He said, you had a chance there to sort of write him into the history books. He went, yeah, he's a young kid. Need to keep his feet on the ground. I took one for the team. <laughs> He's gonna to have to earn it the right hard right way. Benner was
2: cheering all the way. Yeah. Oh. You gotta, you gotta keep been, Will hungry. You gotta keep Will hungry. He's young. Now he has to score a try in the final. It's like you know, can't have how badly do you want it? I can't so, so that. it says I oh, know. It was definitely on, wasn't it? Oh, definitely on.
0: I was. Kieran Reid was just behind me. I told my mates obviously that I was at the game with Kieran Reid, but little do they know he was just behind me. And every time Will Jordan got the ball, he literally would stand up and shout, "See ya."
2: because uh, yeah. he thinks he's that he's he that is good. that good he mm. is he's a special talent we always knew what he is is capable of whether he's fullback yeah, or will, where will he end up he'll probably end up at fullback um, it's, at some stage he's, he's still young that's his preferred position but he's just so talented he's just got this amazing ability to, to read the game and he's one of those players that wherever the ball is he'll be there you know the fact he's you know right wing and he's scoring tries on the left wing mm. and he can um, play anywhere. Yeah, you. and he's just got this great, you know, cohesion with uh, Richie Mawanga. The has got a of great little combination from from spending plenty of time with the Crusaders together. Mm. So he's been a, a standout player you know, for us, and, and you need those finishers in a big tournament like that. You need guys that from, know from how to anywhere to the,
0: as well. I mean yeah. that choice after yeah. it was
2: it Surveyor inside his own twenty-two. Yeah.
0: Usually, All Blacks are famous for supporting the players. They all look like this is done. Yeah, yeah. I genuinely oh, like, he'll it. He's a freak.
2: This. He's an absolute freak and a real talent. So I'm glad he's able to. To get the, the game time that he has, because he had a bit of an injury concern at the, um, the end of last mm. year and didn't play a lot for the Crusaders this year. But, you know, through the, the medical team, they've got him right at the right time. Would you have given that pass to him? I quite like Richie's uh, comment, to be honest. <laughs> but, uh, I can tell you what, I'd be, I'd be the first person, if I wasn't Richie's uh, case, to, to go get him a beer straight after the game and apologise. <laughs> I can assure you that. I'm sure it would have been forgiven.
0: He's in the final. Uh, you, you touched on it. South Africa and New Zealand know each other so well. The rivalry. What What is it? What's... What's so magical, epic, brutal about it? For Springboks,
1: um, you sort of get two two debuts, sort of your first game for the Springboks and then your first game against the All Blacks. <laughs> That's how it works. I think it's, it is the history that goes back over 100 years. Or what it, and, and it's sort of where you want to be tested. Always get guys that came with their first test against the All Blacks. They get a bit nervous about the hockey and they don't understand it. And it's, uh, so ask, what do you think? Sam, so, the best message about facing the All Blacks and facing the Harker is that you've been able to get into that green and gold jersey and play against what we believe is our, our greatest opponent. They always bring out the best in us. They always test us them more than anyone else. And, um, and we were joking about it earlier, but I mean, you know, the most, you know, you, it's brutal. The test matches are brutal. And yet, w- whether we're in New Zealand or in South Africa, 20 minutes, half an hour after the game, we're sitting down, having a beer together. I think that's this sort of respect around the
0: history of the game. So it's it is something special. I'm just I'm looking at Dan smiling because you said earlier that you were a bit shocked when you first play, played the Springboks. Oh, you just for 80 minutes yeah. they wanted to kill you, and then they're like, "Why are you such a nice guys?" <laughs> I
2: know. Like I'd, I'd watch them as a young kid, and you know the the, the history between uh, between these two two nations. And I remember watching the the epic games. You know, the the '95. Uh, World Cup final, and and then the, the famous uh, series victory from the All Blacks in South Africa in '96, and it was like a bloodbath. It was war, and then just and, no uh, rules at the ruck. Uh, really. I know. And then, so the and game then was beautiful. Then. And then to suddenly, um, you know, be playing against them, and then the hostile environments, and you know the eye contact that I was getting from the South African four-packs, like okay, they actually they they want to kill me. And I was like, these are not nice guys, <laughs> you know? And then straight after the game, I'll oh, how's your family? I'll oh, come <laughs> have a beer. It's like, the
1: are
0: the <laughs> nicest <laughs> guys. <laughs> you yeah, like the nicest there. guys. Uh,
2: oh, my God. I, I've got to
1: tell a story, though, good. about the Huckers. So, Stefan de Blanche is, is playing his first game against the All Blacks and Gary Tashman's the captain. He's bit, so he goes to Gary, and says, yeah, what, what what should I do when the, when the hawk is going? He says, no, what you got to do is you find your opponent and you lock eyes, just like Dan said, you lock eyes with him. And in your, the look of your eyes, he must know that, that you are willing to die and you want him to die. And it's just, it's everything. you just got to make yeah. him realize you're coming for him the whole day and you're not going away. And the more Gary's explaining this, the more, Stéphane de Blanche be coming so Gary says who you you got tomorrow he says Jonah he says don't do that (laughs) (laughs) he says you take my guy Tane (laughs) Randall
0: there's an exception to that role there's an exception when you're playing Jonah
3: England were lining up to go out against Twickenham and Austin Healy was at the back and and, uh, Jonah came stood alongside him two teams ready to walk out and Will Will Greenwood says uh, Go on, Austin. Say it to his face. <laughs> just, just as he was
0: about to go out, and play against him, he didn't do that well that day. I was watching the players come out the tunnel last night, and I was just—it was so intense. I was just wondering what what you guys were doing. That's just mentioning there coming out in the tunnel. Big Jamie Roberts is next to me, saying you're just in your head, saying don't look at the opposition. And he like, said, it's, then it's a bit of a blur. I mean, coming out is is captain. What, what are you doing in the tunnel before? It's a difficult place. It's
1: really awkward. And that's why I was saying to Dan, I quite like Sia's vibe. He's got a bit of a jig going. He's singing a little bit. He's taking a bit of the pressure off. But it is, it's is—it's really awkward. It's like you're standing there and you don't want to make eye contact. You just want to focus on the game. And you, either you first or you, and you're waiting for the opposition. But it's, it's a horrible space. And it's such a horrible tension to that 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 tunnel. Uh, and there's such massive rigmarole you know, to get the game started. And that's the start of it. So... There really is a difficult place to be.
3: I think it changes throughout your career as well, like how you feel, like, you know, the first few caps. It's quite an intimidating place, but but then actually, you know, I used to hate the couple of hours before a game, you're just desperate, and when you get to that point, you know you're nearly there, so it's almost a bit of excitement. Especially uh, at 9 uh, o'clock uh, kick-off, by the way. Yeah, the I mean, worst thing is that when, when, know, when one, of the, one, of the, one of the roving cameras comes and, like, pauses on you for a bit, you're like... <laughs> yeah. I was comfortable, but like, <laughs> he go away now. What are they saying about me? <laughs> no,
1: my worst tell story: Juan Smith, number seven flanker, and he's yep. a he's a grumpy. He's just born angry. We are playing English, and it's it's quite easy to get the Afrikaans guys riled up against the English. Really, like, oh, I mean, no, you wouldn't no, no, have just... thought, yeah. Um, so I thought, no. The whole week, I thought, okay, I'm going to do my entire match prep talk in Afrikaans. You know, it's my second language, but you know, I'm pretty. I think I'm pretty well versed. So for the first time, I think about what I'm going to say, and I'm, yeah. anyway. It's Unre- it's unravelling in the change room and it's going pretty well you know when you're speaking and you're thinking okay this is my language, but like, I'm getting it this is going really well pull it through high-fiving myself inside and uh, give it in the circle Booker, yes and we're lining up and as we're lining up waiting for the English Juan Smith comes from number 7 from the middle of, all the way down to the front of the tunnel and taps me on the shoulder and says don't ever took off records again.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh. Just shattered me,
1: shattered me. Before. I mean, he could have waited oh, until the yeah, end. Yeah, he could yeah. Have. give me some kudos. Yeah,
0: exactly. What was because um, you've done a brilliant team talk on the pod already. I'm trying to think what the team talk will be this Saturday. What was yours in 2007 World Cup final? What did you say? <clears throat> finals you um, done? Did you find the light switch?
1: <laughs> finals it's the least you've got to do as a captain from a talking point of view if you've got to be riling guys up for a final you've got the There's wrong crew. yeah so to get to a final you've got a you've got a team that is pretty well motivated they know what they're doing it's really about creating the calm that that dan was talking about and, and not letting things escalate you know keeping as much calm as possible so final was it was a <clears throat> was a lot of quiet time it didn't have to get going didn't have to Absolutely. throw any brave hearts out there no
0: same for you, the eleven and fifteen. Would you talk in that situation? Would you be? Yeah, one of those...
2: you're just trying to bring people back to the the here and now. You know, so the whole control in your mind. You know, people in a really big, and important game like a, a World Cup playoff game or a final. It's hard not to think about you know the outcome, the result, or geez, I hope we win this week, and and you forget about the you know, the process. What do you need to do now? We we learnt the hard way um, through the the haka. So we obviously we perform the haka, and we get really sort of emotional around that, and then we'd start the game, and we'd give like six or seven penalties in the first fifteen minutes because we hadn't, you know, reset and focus on what we we need to do and remind ourselves of the game plan. So you'll see the guys now perform the haka. They'll walk back, they'll connect, they'll remind themselves to to breathe, to just kind of bring their yeah, their heart rate down a little bit and then focus, okay. And you'll see the likes of, you know, Richie Moanga going, okay, it's our kickoff. I'm going to kick to this position. I need you guys chasing. Just to bring them into a really task. So focused There's nothing
0: emotional at this point. No, it's purely this it. is what we're doing. Yeah,
2: it needs to be really task-focused. What do you need to do right now? Nail that, then nail the next task. And it's all about sort of controlling your mind in, in those moments and, and bringing the players back to the, the process because it's far too easy to focus on, on the outcome.
3: What John's read, John said is really pertinent because there's a danger that the nervous energy comes out in idle chat that means nothing. And, and some captains, that you almost feel that they're saying it for their own benefit because they need to say something. Yeah, Martin Johnson, 03. Like, usually, he didn't say... He was really good at knowing when something needed saying and when actually the boys were there, exactly what John said. So, usually, you'd get to... The tunnel just before you ran out and big game, John would look over your shoulder. I'm not saying anything Churchillian, but, you know, it'd it just get the mood right and say the right thing. And World Cup Final 03, he looks round and just runs off. And and we all got the message, but obviously spoke to him afterwards. He said, well, I turned around. What was I going to say that was going to make a blind bit of difference? I could see it in everyone's eyes that they were there. If I'd said anything, it, it was for my own benefit. 2007, slightly different team. We'd, we'd sort of had a difficult journey there. I remember Phil Vickery really, really good in the change room beforehand and, and he sort of tried to bring it more down to a personal level because as soon as we started getting through the knockout stages, everything was about making England proud and he just changed it to, you know, there's a, there's a few people that you've given you your free tickets to out there that have given up an awful lot for you to yeah. be here and, and make it about them, not the... 80,000 other people.
0: As a rugby fan, I was absolutely delighted this week because Geordie Barrett liked one of my uh, Instagram posts. I don't know if you saw this, just before kickoff, Argentina, I panned over just by chance, and he was having a little catch and pass with one of the ball boys who's never, ever going to forget that moment in his life, is he? Andre Pollard, obviously player of the match uh, against uh, England. Then I saw you pop up with Geordie Barrett, giving him the MasterCard player of the match against Argentina.
2: He was brilliant, wasn't he? Absolutely brilliant players and and uh, and really nice guys. So you know, I was l- lucky enough to to present the you know the mascot player of the match uh, to Geordie and sort of congratulate him. And you know, it's a pretty special thing to to be able to to give someone, uh, obviously in a team environment. You know, how do you pick one person out of you know uh, uh, a winning team? But but Geordie he, he deserved it and. You know that the work that Mastercard's gone into these Player of the the Match trophies is is pretty incredible. So what they do, they have a, a studio in Paris where they take uh, a soundtrack. You know, it might it be parts of the crowd uh, cheering, parts of the the impact, the collisions, the the singing, um, the the referee whistle, whatever it is. So each Player of the Match uh, trophy is is unique to that game, um, and obviously you can can hear that that soundtrack. So Geordie will be you know mm-hmm. listening to to that soundtrack that was you know. A, a, bring back a lot of fond memories of the, that semi-final. I like the fact as well, it's not just on the pitch uh,
0: too. You know, it's the awareness of, of the bigger game. It's the mental capacity, I'd imagine, to be in that moment, you know, to be doing something that like that. It's brilliant, isn't it? Uh, all right, we're moving on to our Campy 15. This is all about uh, saying cheers. Who you like to have a beer with? After the game, maybe it's someone you did play with, someone it's uh, you never got to play with. It doesn't matter. Uh, this is an association with um, Asahi Superdry. It's been lovely. There's been some really good stories coming out of it. So it can be anyone you like, past or present. Just talking about South Africans there, like, you know, hard on the pitch, but great to have a beer after. Can't wait to hear you've got Ben, who's in your by 15. So there's a couple. I remember, actually, 2003
3: World Cup when we beat South Africa in the pool stages and Victor Matfield came and found me afterwards <laughs> so south africa we picked up a couple of their line out calls on the video i always did like the old vhs i'd go back and forwards and i'd, Wait, I'd try this, and get is
0: this the language thing is that what
3: yeah you so everyone said you learn afrikaans like uh, i learned to count to 10 in afrikaans Go now, on for most forwards go on counting to 10 in any languages is, is, <laughs> is a thing anyway but um basically what we what we figured out was that they'd basically just gone on right, one's the front <laughs> in Afrikaans. So, I sort of beat Victor there. It's the only time a, you, I you had to a success. Make it more complicated. <laughs> to me, it's the only time I had any success against Victor and he came up and, and found me with a beer after the after the game. But, probably the one that, that stands out for making my life hell on the pitch because um, he was horrible to play against in a fun way um, was Ali Williams. And then, going out afterwards and having a beer with him I was, was say, exactly, not a, one was, was not exactly one the same
1: it's a roller coaster yeah. horrible
3: but a lot of fun <laughs> and uh yeah so uh, yeah. i had a, a a good few battles with, with ali and, and um talking about the hacker you know I, you, you find you go opposite your opposite number and and it was good for me because doing the hacker ali's probably the least threatening <laughs> bloke because he doesn't look like he's made to do to do the war <laughs> dance so uh, but,
0: yeah, he, he was the guy that I used to used to seek out for a beer afterwards. You should have seen him uh, rock up to uh, the stadium on Saturday in his big coat and like, just loving life. Every, like, all the selfies in the world. Does that sound familiar to you with Ali?
2: Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Even the hacker, it was more about him. Um, He'd yeah, be out on the side, kind of a couple of metres away from anyone else. He's obviously a very close friend uh, of mine. So he's a brilliant say, I can bloke, say things like he? that. He's, yeah. uh, he's uh, yeah, a, lot, a lot of great stories with, with Ali. And, you know, when Ben's talking about him, I, I knew it. It's not one beer uh, with Ali. It's 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 a nightfall. So uh, he's a top man. Obviously <laughs> contributed a lot to the you know the, the All Black culture and uh, the legacy. So yeah, it's, uh, it was awesome to, to right. see him over here in France. Um, who does Dan Carter put in his uh, Campo fifteen? Oh Jesus! So I, I I love going to to war with your brothers. And my favourite time of the week is when you're sitting in the changing room with your team uh, before all the media. Uh, before the families come in and you, you know, you're having a beer with one of your teammates. And as a young teenager, um, we have already talked about him on this podcast today, uh, that I used to look up to and, for me, changed the game of rugby as Jonah Lomu. He was a hero uh, of mine through my teenage years. And in my first ever professional game, Canterbury against Wellington, I was a young 20-year-old and Jonah was on the bench for some reason. He came on and I was like, oh, no, here we go. And as a little number 10, uh, Wellington had a scrum on the right-hand side. and Gen- Jonah came off his wing, got the ball off the nine, and just eyeballed me. I'm like, I kind of want this, but I kind of don't. Anyway, steamrolled me. Um, I felt exactly like Mike Cat felt in uh, 95 and got steamrolled. He went in to, to score a try. Um, unfortunately, he had you know, some illness um, after the, that year, so I never got to play with him. You know, I, I, if I could choose anyone to, to play with, and go to to war and play a test match with it would it would be Jonah. I would love nothing more than putting a cross kick across across to him or setting him up for a try or even just sitting back and you know having a cup of tea as he runs over uh, the opposition and then to you know enjoy his company in that changing room environment after a game uh, would have been a you know a dream come true for me. It's been um, amazing actually. He's come up once or twice obviously,
0: and uh, during the pod when someone's talking about him. You know, other esteemed rugby playing guests have turned round, you know, scalp, um Brits the other day. Was, tell me more? Like even current and past players always wanted to know more about Jonah more than anyone else.
2: Maybe. Oh, you, you know, so we have a big ethos in, in the All Black environment. Uh, no individuals, you know, greater than the team. But you know, he's he's a freak. He was greater than the team. Yeah. But you wouldn't know by the. The way that he always put the right. team first, he was such a team man. There's, um, you know, I'm getting stories from you know my, my Wellington uh, teammates or you know Crusader teammates that played with him at, at all black level, and he was just the most kindest, caring, you know, person. He, he obviously, you know, had a, a lot of success uh, on and, and off the field, but he was always, you know, stories sort of Ma Nonu just started playing and in 2002 and he kind of looked up to Jonah and Jonah took him under his wing and just gave him one of his cars. He go, it's yours. Uh, just gave it to him, you know, because he was just, you know, so caring and, and wanted to, you know, help and support the people around him. It was, it was never about him. Uh, he was always putting other people first. Put some pressure on you now. Not, yeah. Uh, in fairness, I also got steamrolled by Jonah.
0: Yeah.
2: Canes versus
1: sharks in the in the cake tin and Butchie's kicking off. I said, Butchie, don't go deep. Don't kick on a Jonah. He kicks it straight down Jonah's throat. <laughs> and he's coming, he's coming at me from the kickoff. He's now got a head of steam. And I'm thinking, like, okay, he's definitely going to step into like a smaller flanker or a backline player. He, just, he came straight at me. And I realized that I needed to commit. And I committed a little bit high. But I reckon three somersaults backwards. And I looked up. And he was on the halfway line with two of our guys I was still on his back. So yeah, he was some player. Uh, my <laughs> guy is probably one of the, my best mates in the game, post the game. But he was the most annoying you've <laughs> ever seen. Honestly, George Gregan, <laughs> he he was just next table we'll like in the ear all the time. And obviously I kept...
0: not been described as that. The <laughs> <laughs> <Well, laughs> thing about break. the
1: start of our relationship is I was captain, he was captain, and, and that's so he always used to have these comments and get in the ref's ear. And I and I, I sort of had to learn how to sort of get, you know, get into the ref because of this guy, you know. And he was always the ref and he was just smart and he had these little chirps, and you'd just sort of have have your, your your hands on your knees and say, You tired, big boy? And then you walk past, you know, and it was just Irritating. I mean, we had this one altercation with the ref. Both of us were getting into the ref and the referee was getting more and more worked up. And he's, the ref says, he says, guys, there's only one referee. It feels like there's three. And Greg chirps up he says, yeah, and you're not in the top three, mate. <laughs> Had to get to the <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't respond to that, um, and then we That's started true. to get to know each other um, through the Mandela Cup, and we'd have to have this photo shoots on the Friday, and I would dread it and you know, awkward hello, and, and one day he said, hey, "I've got this coffee shop, you want to go for a coffee?" I was like, "Okay," I didn't really want to, and sat down, got to know, him, played the North South game mm-hmm. with each other, and sitting on the bus in that week, I, was, I said, "You know, George, it's been." A difficult emotional journey for me with you because yeah, you know, I, I really did dislike you. It wasn't a
0: date, John. It it,
1: it, it felt like it, and um, and I said, but you are—he is just such a top man. He's just he is, smart, point. funny, unbelievable competitor. He, he's he's got to be a vampire. He hasn't aged a day. He looks yeah, the same I mean. now as he did when he won the World Cup. And so he's just a top man. But he really—he was an
0: unbelievably annoying guy to play against. They never ever found a shirt to fit him either, did they? That was the most surprising <laughs> <No. engine. laughs> so way too big for him for about 10 years. Great, great um, guy off the field.
3: Yeah. He's like, he's like, even, you know, 2003, we're obviously watching the other semi-final and I don't think there's ever been a better sledge than four more years, boys. I mean, <laughs> particularly for those front row boys that
0: they're, they're bound, they can't even swing at him. Uh, just timing perfect. All right, I'm going to finish on two technicals here. Uh, how did New Zealand beat South Africa
2: at the weekend? Uh, for, for me, they, they have to, to match them physically. Um, and that starts at the, the set piece. Uh, so scrum, line out and, and break down. They, they just need to match them there. And then, you know, take their opportunities. And in a World Cup final, you're not going to get many opportunities. It's going to come down to, to one or two moments. Um, and if they can uh, be as accurate and, and clinical as they have been uh, with, with ball in hand over the last couple of weeks, then and, and they take those moments, then... Yeah, that's that's a, a good start to, to getting over uh, against a strong box side. How do South Africa beat New Zealand on Saturday?
1: I think the worry is it's been you know, two really big weekends, quarterfinals and semifinals. Um, and this turnaround, the, the recovery of this week will be a big part of, 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 of how they can match up to New Zealand. New Zealand, with all due respect, had a... Pretty softer semi-final weekend, so and an extra day. So, South Africa's must be pretty beat up today physically, and um, and and everyone wants to match South Africa physically, and it'll 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 be about how high they can take that physicality after what they've put their bodies through and and the intensity of the clashes that they've had, um, and they've had some big clashes over the sort of seven week eight eight week period so it'll be around recovery and about how, how much how high they can get to after i guess the mileage that's on the car at the moment in terms of the the, the, the intensity of the games and the and the level at which they've been playing is sort of that engine's been revving at seven eight thousand revs can it continue for another week and that's what they've got to focus on this week
0: who's going to win the world cup final ben
1: so before
3: the tournament, I obviously thought France were the favourites, I thought South Africa were, were the second favourites. Uh, I probably think New Zealand are favourites to win this now. And, and for the reasons that John's just said, just that ability to go again. And, and if, if they are going to win, they have to dominate physically. I, I think technically, I think where the All Blacks would win it is not necessarily in the wide expanses, but it's giving the time for that because... The line speed of South Africa is so threatening that if the likes of RD Cervea can wriggle in the contact, make, make a couple of extra metres and get those big South African forwards having to backtrack before, before they come forward again defensively, New Zealand will have the room to go round them. And, and if they have that, New Zealand, I think, will win the game. But they need the forwards just to give them an extra metre in contact just to win those small tiny battles that will make all the difference and, and if that happens I can see New Zealand winning but
0: look I, I'm not betting any money on it <laughs> I couldn't take it's been amazing hasn't it yeah. it's been such a good World Cup and it's going to be a fantastic final I'm sure Ben, Dan, John thank you so much thank Brilliant. you Thank you. good luck Dan yeah. <laughs> you've been listening to the official Rugby World Cup podcast brought to you by Asahi Superdrive please leave your comments and make sure you share the pod below